You're listening to Kisses from Death, a Himalaya original. The first six parts are available anywhere you listen to podcasts, but you can listen to all 30 parts now through Himalaya Premium. Download the Himalaya app in your app store, search Kisses from Death, and subscribe now to get the entire story. We hope you enjoy. Kisses from Death by Aurora Yeo Prologue The town of Riverside Creek was not unlike a lot of other small towns scattered across the far rural corners of America. Long before modern civilization, it had been a fishing village, a center of local commerce, and a place for small merchants to gather. As the years went by, some of these merchants settled down and built their own homes near the town. For centuries after, Riverside Creek's population only grew, with people from all sorts of ethnicities and social classes finding places to call home in the once humble town. One of many loops in a long and winding river surrounded Riverside Creek, and a long line of hills bordered its only landlocked side. Past the waters, thick forests stretched out as far as the eye could see, making a humble haven for many species of woodland creatures to rest. On one otherwise unremarkable day, Baby Addison plucked a daisy as she laughed and played in a field of flowers. Her babysitters, two 15-year-old girls, were more interested in gossip than the bubbly and all-too-energetic one-year-old left in their care. With her caregivers distracted, little Addison Piladia took it upon herself to find some entertainment to pass the time. The very second she spotted a squirrel running on the grass, a small acorn clasped tightly in his teeth, the baby girl let out a gurgle of laughter and took chase. Addison crawled at a leisurely pace, only stopping to occasionally clasp her hands in delight as she followed behind the creature. An eerie darkness spread beneath the canopy of trees as she crawled further and further into the forest. Each move into the wilderness put more and more distance between Addison and the urban jungle she called home. She did not know at the time, nor was she later when she had grown older, but a pair of shining, predator-like eyes watched her every movement with an unblinking curiosity. Farther and farther away from the bright clearing and farther and farther into the blackened forest, the swirl went and the baby followed. Giggling every once in a while in delight, Addison was blissfully unaware of the danger that awaited her just a short distance away. You see, a cliff drop loomed ahead and not just any cliff drop. It was a sudden drop, the kind of cliff that seemed to emerge from nowhere with no warning. A notorious death trap set by time and nature The area surrounding the ledge was particularly unstable, sending many a clueless and careless explorer to their demise for simply lacking an awareness of the surroundings. When Addison thought she had finally cornered the little beast, the squirrel made its way up a creaking willow tree, stuffing itself inside a small hole in the trunk. The girl was left disappointed and confused, her big round doe eyes darting back and forth, scanning the area as she continued on, edging closer and closer to the cliff. Just as her leading hand touched the first bit of air without land beneath it, a pair of cold hands wrapped themselves around Addison's torso, plucking her from her near fall. And to think you could have met me way too early, the hooded figure said, a small smile appearing on his face when the baby giggled with excitement. Aren't you just a disgustingly happy child? The baby, not having a damn clue as to what the hooded figure just said, simply laughed a little bit more and reached at her carrier's face her joyous chorus of giggles resounding past the trees. It is pure baby instincts, you see, to take a hold of whatever is there in front of you. 
As her chubby little fingers made contact with the figure's frigid features, she withdrew them almost immediately, staring at her hands for a few seconds in shock, as if she had just been burnt by a hot, hot heat. Even so, it wasn't long before the baby started grabbing at the hooded figure once again. He stood there, hood over head, as he waited rather impatiently for the baby to stop. Her blue-green gaze was unrelenting, and she gurgled and grasped at his sharp and pointed nose once more. When their skin touched, she did not recoil like she did the first time. Instead, she paid great attention to the figure, like she was trying to imprint his features into her mind by touch and touch alone. The man was stunned, allowing the baby's hand to briefly graze his profile, as if mesmerized by her touch. He simply watched as her curious eyes scanned him over, smiling far more than what was considered normal for an average baby. But then again, Addison Peladia was not exactly what one would call average. That's enough, the man snapped, holding the baby away just slightly enough that she couldn't reach his face. Your disgusting fingers were just on the damn ground a few seconds ago. Such a filthy child. Oblivious to the meaning of the man's words, Addison only smiled wider, eager to play with her new hero, friend, and plaything. The man sighed, knowing that whatever he did would not be enough to stop this force of nature from doing baby things. Eventually, he relented, allowing the baby to grasp onto his nose once more before making his way back toward the clearing where she came from. It was when they reached the imaginary line that separated the dark forest from the bright, grassy clearing that the man finally placed baby Addison back down on the ground. As he did, he snapped his fingers, creating the illusion of a butterfly out of snowflakes for her to catch. In a matter of seconds, Addison's chubby little limbs were fighting to take hold of the floating toys the man left behind. The man slinked further into the shadows, the darkness blending well with his figure as he watched the baby crawl her way back to safety. Addison, where are you? Come on now, let's get you home before your mother ends up nagging my ear off. A young brunette scolded Addison before picking her up from the ground. As the two teenage girls gathered the baby and their belongings, the man blinked once. Baby Addison's eyes met his own molten slivers for a split second before they disappeared from view. With that, he evaporated into a cloud of black and green smoke, the events of the day already forgotten by the young girl. Addison, darling, do not go out too far. Jane Peladia's voice echoed through the otherwise calm neighborhood, her intentions kind as she spoke to the child. The four-year-old wasn't listening, though, as usual. Addison Peladia, with her waist-length honeycomb blonde hair, was too busy frolicking in the front yard to bother with her mother's warning, her pure white sundress billowing in the breeze as she danced among the dandelions. That was her life as an only child. With no one to play with her, Addison spent most of her days alone, in the front yard, talking to herself. It was a rather pitiful fate to have no siblings to play with. More often than not, Mrs. Peladia would berate herself for not being physically able to bear another child for the family. In her mind, Addison would always be the lonely little girl who had no one to play with during the golden years of her childhood. Or at least so she thought. And then, rich Sir Bearlot finally married poor Lady Emma Frogerson because they were in love, and that is what people in love do. They get married. The child took the two soft toys, one of a teddy bear and the other of a badly stitched frog with a flower by one ear, and mushed their squishy faces together. And they lived happily ever after in a beautiful castle by the ocean, overlooking their kingdom. 
The end. Her wide green eyes smiled up at the cloaked man, or boy, as it were. And although she couldn't see it, his expression, as he listened to the child's fairy tale, was one of pure amusement. Was it a grand party? he asked. Grand? The child prodded, eyes quizzical as she tested the word against her tongue. It means, um, big? More of a question than an answer, he gave a sort of good enough synonym, unable to think of a word to properly replace the one he had originally chosen. If Addison was bothered, she did not show it. He continued, In other words, was their party widely celebrated, with a long guest list and many days of dancing? At that explanation, the little girl smiled and nodded her head enthusiastically, her blonde curls flipping in the wind, her pink-tinted lips curved up from the side, beaming brightly. Yes, yes, yes. A big party with loads of guests, and flowers and cake and dancing and music, and a big chocolate cake. The figure did not bother to point out that she had mentioned cake twice. Instead, he nodded, as if to say, carry on. And they danced through the night, just like Mommy and Daddy did at their wedding, and had cake and threw the flowers to the bridesmaids. Pretty flowers they are. Little Addison flashed her pearly white teeth, giggling as she hugged the two soft toys tightly against her chest. She paused for a second before blushing bright pink. Will our wedding be as pretty too, Dee? He raised an eyebrow, chuckled to himself, and shook his head slightly in disbelief. The little girl frowned, feeling rejected, and quickly. A pout crossed her lips as she shrugged sadly, her hands falling by her sides in disappointment, her eyes downcast. Oh, yes, we will have a beautiful wedding, okay? He teased, pinching Addison's cheek. With loads of flowers. And you'll get to pick them as well. Now, tell me more about the castle that Sir Barrelot and Lady Emma lived in. What was it like? Of course, he already knew what Addison was going to say. After all, he had seen her drawings of this legendary castle all hung up around the Palladia household. Always the same structure, and always the same setting, with a few small changes here and there. Maybe the positioning of the sun would shift, or the surrounding trees would change colors with the seasons. And he knew that Addison loved nothing more than to describe this magical place, the setting of most of her fairy tales. Before the girl could reply, though, a shout came from the kitchen, calling for Addison to come inside to test out a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies. Coming, Mom, the girl said. Addison turned back to collect her toys and say goodbye to her best friend. By the time she had turned around, he was already gone, leaving her to stare at the empty lawn. This was not something she was unused to. Even so, Addison found herself wondering if she had imagined the whole thing, if her best friend was really nothing but a presence in her own imagination. It was a full year before she next saw her friend again. At the stroke of midnight, on the very night Addison turned five, a cold gust of wind blew through her room. The familiar cloaked figure appeared, this time with his hood tipped down, revealing a mess of dark, unruly curls and bright silver eyes that seemed almost too beautiful to be real. Dee, why didn't you come visit more? Addison asked before launching herself into the boy's arms. I made a present for you in our class a few months ago, but you never came to collect it. I thought you had forgotten about me. When they separated, Addison's eyes dropped to her feet, her socked toes shuffling around in disappointment. This made the boy's heart clench painfully in regret and slight guilt for not making more time to visit her. I am sorry, Addie. I had things to do. The boy tried not to wince as he thought back on the gruesome year, 
a year filled with enough bloodshed to haunt the dreams of the deceased loved ones for the rest of their lives. He decided to change the subject. You had a present for me, you said? The girl's eyes lit up in delight. After raising a single index finger to signal him to wait, she dove under her bed, shuffling through clutter before finding and grabbing a plain white paper box. Give me your finger, she demanded. He reached out his hand, allowing Addison to grasp it as she fiddled around with the box. Look away, no peeking. And so he turned away, eyes closed shut. When he opened his eyes, a small grin moved across his usually sullen face. There, on his fourth finger, yes, his left hand as well, sat a beautifully bent ring made of silver and gold twisted together. Pleased with the simple gift, he reached into his back pockets and pulled out a single silver bracelet, dangling at it slightly to catch the moonlight's glow and Addis's attention. I have a gift for you, too. He slipped the silver band around Addison's left wrist. It was slightly loose, but tight enough to stay on in most circumstances. On the underside of the band was a small imprint, but Addison had not noticed. She was too busy examining the row of 13 diamonds that dotted the top. Wow, it's so pretty. Thank you, Dee, she said. The boy said nothing else. He simply smiled sadly before giving Addison one last hug. After that night, there would be no way for him to return, no way to visit her again. It would be best for them to stay apart, and there was only one way to make that certain without breaking her heart. Happy birthday, Addie. He leaned forward, kissing Addison's forehead a few seconds longer than usual. The girl's eyes began to close. When he withdrew, Addison was asleep. And with that, he disappeared into the shadows, memories of him forever erased from Addison's mind. What you just heard was Kisses from Death, a Himalaya original, adapted from the original Wattpad story written by Aurora Yeo. The first six parts will be available anywhere you listen to podcasts, but you can listen to all 30 parts now through Himalaya Premium. Download the Himalaya app in your app store, search Kisses from Death, and subscribe now to get the entire story. We hope you enjoy.